Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. New Orleans is a place built on history, but also myth and legend. With tales of vampires and voodoo queens, the city has become a drawcard for the curious and macabre. We are travelling to New Orleans this October and are staying right in the French Quarter. One of the oldest buildings standing in that part of the city is the old Ursuline Convent Building. And as much as the nuns of the Order were focused on the spiritual well-being of the people, something very weird caught the attention of the city dwellers back in the 1700s that was so terrifying that no one dared venture out at night for fear of death. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we finally take a walk down Ursuline Street in the French Quarter of New Orleans to explore its haunted past. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. The paranormal team took the formal tour of the place, though none could even find where steps leading to the third floor were. They asked the caretakers of the convent to see the third floor or even chat for a while about it though they were met with suspicious looks and unkind words. Needless to say, they were kicked out for asking the wrong questions. That night, two of the four researchers left to search the quarter for a hotel while the other two stayed, technically camping out at the gates of the convent. Around 2am, when the street's activities died down and they were alone on the streets... They had gone hours without anything remotely interesting happening. Off guard, they engaged in quiet chat, not even noticing the shutters slowly opening right behind them. I assume that bit only because when their bodies were found the next morning, they didn't seem to be evidence of much of a struggle. What was evident, however was their bodies were completely drained of blood with ripped wounds all over their drained bodies. An interesting fact I've learned in my research is that in the most pristine lab conditions, it's only humanely possible to remove about 70% of a person's blood supply before the veins collapse on themselves. Even hanging a person upside down and completely severing every major artery in the neck, you could not successfully and completely drain the body of blood. 
it begs the question, what the feck is up there? What thing could possibly have the power to drain a person of their entire blood supply without eating them whole? The only thing ever reported to come from those windows was an unnatural mist that tends to grow and completely surround the estate. It was really foggy that morning those two researchers were found as well, at least around the crime scene. If you're curious such as I was, you'd be surprised to know that those shutters were back in place before the police ever found the bodies. Welcome back to the studio, Anne. Oh, thank you, Renata. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's been a poop of a week, mm. to say the least. And look, we want to apologise to all of those people who were hanging out for a True Hauntings episode last week. But I promise you, I've got a good excuse. And that is that my father passed away last week. Uh, it was sort of unexpected, but wasn't. He was 90 and he went into hospital and um, he just didn't respond to the treatment. I, I think his body was just old and tired and I get that. So um, he's he's left us. Farewell, Barry. I've got his demented 16-year-old dog. I'm in a happy place. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're back. And we did have some people who were slightly confused by the Spooky Sundays episode that popped up. Mm -hmm. And that, look, the reality was is that we just ran out of time to record enough episodes to cover us for the the Friday we landed back in Australia from being in Germany. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a bit of a whirlwind the last 10 days and I thank everyone for the kind words that they have uh, they put out on their True Hauntings page. But I'm here, we're back, we're recording and hopefully we can get this up and running. Who knows what's going to happen when we go to New Orleans. We'll try to pre-record, but just be prepared for anything. Right, Renata, over to you. Mm. Well, uh, we decided to go into uh, this particular uh, subject because uh, we are gearing up to go to New Orleans in October. So uh, the whole thing was let's do a bit of research and investigation about some of the places we might be staying or some of the places we might be visiting. And the whole idea was to actually uh, talk about the Haunted Hotel uh, which we are going to be staying at in the French Quarter. Mm. Now, the Haunted Hotel is allegedly quite haunted. <laughs> Funny about that. Yes. wonder how it got its name. Mm. And interestingly enough, as much as I could try and find information about the place, do you think I could find anything? Not oh, about the history. It's mysterious. It is very mysterious. But you did find out something which skewed the whole... I suppose, investigation, if you want to look at it like yes. that. Yes. Uh, because you discovered that it was built where? It was built... Uh, now, I hope I do have this right, it, but it's built very close to the uh, old Ursuline convent. Apparently, it was part yeah. of the original grounds. Mm. From one of the maps that I saw, it was either right on the border or within the ground. So, <laughs> uh, Yes, and then we thought, well, let's let's see if there's any hauntings around that. Oh, yes, there are. Oh, oh, we uh, struck gold. As, Renata did. As some of the uh, places where you look for information about New Orleans and the French Quarter, they will tell you that every place is haunted yes. that's there. Uh, we are going to have a lot of fun at Hornet Hotel and uh, maybe we will revisit that subject once we know more, considering that uh, it says that they have seen over a dozen murders. You realise this is the first podcast back since we came back from visiting a lot of the places we did podcasts on in Europe? Mm -hmm. Mm. We're going to have to do a whole episode just on that, I think. We will. Sorry, I I interrupted. I I I squirrelled already. already. (laughs) Uh, Yes, we will. Because what we found, it can be sometimes very different to yeah, yeah. what's there and yeah, yeah the, the thing that really bothered me the most I'm the walking get, get, up the hills oh that's <laughs> a lot but when you get to these places and they will not allow you to take any photos yeah that's just sucks. yes that's very annoying so I'm going to start off just with a little basic history of New Orleans very basic so please if you're finding faults 
send me in some information and let me know. And Absolutely. Suck it up. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just putting a caveat in there. That, yeah, we're not we're not yeah. giving you a whole history of New Orleans, New Orleans. Yes. Because it's too big. Yes, it's too big. We're just going to concentrate on this little area for the moment. We'll look mm-hmm. at other areas later. So the city is in the southern part of the United States, and it's located in the state of Louisiana. And Native American tribes like the Choctaw and the Huma lived in the area before European settlers arrived. In 1781, there was a Frenchman called Jean-Baptiste Le Moyne de Benvielle, or something like that. And he founded New Orleans as a French colony. Uh, the city was named after the Duke of Orleans, who was the regent of France at the time. So wars and wars and wars and wars, and that's why New Orleans now exists. <laughs> and it's a cultural hot pot of all sorts of things now. Yes. So over the years, uh, New Orleans changed hands between different countries. So it was ruled by the French and then the Spanish, and then it became part of the United States through the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. And this is when President Thomas Thomas Jefferson bought a huge piece of land from France. That's weird. And that included New Orleans. That was really weird. What? So his middle name was the same as his first name. Thomas Thomas. <laughs> Your pain. Yes, oh. that's what I'm here for. She wanted to do one of these podcasts on her own. It said be as dry as a no, no I won't say what I was going to say. But it would just be you doing history. Who wants to listen to that? They want to listen to you, to me interrupting your awesome history. That's right. Now, one of the most famous events in New Orleans history was the Battle for New Orleans, and that happened during the War of 1812, and that was between the United States and Britain. Now, the American forces led by General Andrew Jackson successfully defended the city from a British attack. Those British people, they wanted to own everything. Is that the Andrew Jackson that was the spiritualist? That was into all this sort of stuff? I mean, Andrew Jackson is a name that could be anywhere. Sorry, I've, I've been doing some occult research history a few months back, and it was a name that popped up. Okay. What's, what did they mention, that he was a general? I, can't, I didn't get that far. <laughs> I'm full of really useful information. Oh, you are. <laughs> now, New Orleans, therefore, is a really unique place with a, like you said, a hodgepodge of culture. Uh, and it's influenced by many different people from all over the world, including Europe and Africa and the Caribbean. Um, and, of course, all of the languages, the traditions, the cuisines and the spiritual movements that are associated with all of those people actually came into uh, the area and planted yeah. themselves there. Unlike our movements that we had in the Czech Republic, which just <laughs> peeled the paint off the walls. Yeah. Um, the the thing uh, about it is uh, that I was reading was that New Orleans wasn't a great place to build a city. It was a bit of a, a swamp, and they kind of they kind of put the rejects of the world there. So you had slaves there. You had. Uh, Dissidents. We're talking you, history here, yeah, guys. We're, we're yeah, not. yeah. You had slaves, you had dissidents, you had uh, illegal aliens, you had a whole mash of people mm. that were kind of that centre point um, and the building of New Orleans. And look at it now, all of that mixture mm. of all of those people have led to such diversity I'm so, in the city. I am so excited to go. You've got no idea. I've never been to New Orleans and I've I've been to many other states in the USA, but not there. And I'm, I'm very keen. Yeah. Uh, and this, uh, I guess I, I go back to, you know, so many people from so many different countries, but so many religions oh, yes. side by side. Wow. Um, that's going to be impressive to see. Yeah. Just just the influences of, of all of these religions. And then on top of that, let's let's not stop there. Let's okay. Then, let's dig deeper. Let's Renata. dig deeper and let's add superstition. Oh, yes. And, and voodoo. And, and folklore. folklore. And myth and legend Ooh. to every single. Let's paint every place with a story and make it amazing. And then let's add absinthe and <laughs> and and being able to drink alcohol just, whilst walking down the street that's right just go nuts and <laughs> and, um, and you're in New Orleans and of course then you have jazz woohoo 
Yeah. But uh, we are concentrating on uh, the Ursuline nuns. Oh, you know how oh. I love a story about nuns. I love nuns. Oh. And that was a Catholic religion that, um, or the nuns were a, a, a Catholic based fraternity. I don't know what do you call it. Uh, and they were sent by. It was a nunnery. I know. They were sent by King Louis XV of France. Oh. To. Okay. Populate. Hang on. How can nuns populate? No, no. That, well, they they were sent. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll go back. Oh. I had to just banana. <laughs> well, nuns are going in to make pipes. <laughs> um, right. They were sent first. So twelve nuns came over. Yes. To um, check out New Orleans. Oh, um, looks nice, sisters. What do you reckon? <laughs> and to class up. The fledgling colony. Oh, they're going so, to try and bring manners back, were they? Manners, yes. Yeah, going, yes. Not wash manners, your hands. Ma- manners. Manners, yes. They're wash your hands before you sit at the table and, and say your prayers. And if you cuss, we're going to wash your mouth out with soap. Yes. And they'll have a big stick and beat yeah. the crap out of you like they did to us. Yeah. So the, their, their whole thing was to look after the spiritual well-being of the community, to look after the sick and the poor, and to educate the daughters of the well healed in the city mm-hmm. yeah, because of course where 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 you have poverty there's going you, to be some wealth there's going to be some wealth so it's, it's you know located in one spot usually and um yes so those those families needed to educate their lovely daughters so that their daughters could marry into wealth <laughs> because that's the only thing that you could do they wanted some nicer people for their, their <laughs> yes. young girls so the sisters arrived in uh, July of 1727, and that, that changes a little bit, so 25, 26, 27, more or less. Uh, and they uh, had a five-month sea journey. Oh, couldn't imagine it. <laughs> couldn't imagine oh, anything worse. Actually, I need to know from our listeners, um, Renata does get uh, vertigo quite easily from a rocking ship or even a little bit of movement on a ship and we're planning to go on a paddle steamer will she cope with on a paddle steamer or or will there be too much movement if you can send us a message on our true hauntings uh is it fans or something on on facebook and let us know or send an email to anne a-n-n-e at ozparatech.com yeah, because I backed out of the cruise at in you Frankfurt. Did? You did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very lovely, Renata. You would have loved the industrial buildings we See, looked I at. See, I knew, I knew you it was psychic. going to be shite. <laughs> I didn't want to go. If they'd gone the other way, it would have been great. <laughs> but they went down the industrial sludge end. Oh God! Yes, so. Twelve nuns <laughs> walk into a bar. No, <laughs> they walk into New Orleans and they start to build a convent. And they're all I, virgins. I cannot see that they were building a convent, but they must have gotten someone to build a convent. Um, and this was the first of four that they would build or they would move into. So the very, very old, old, old convent. And um, uh, there are a few that kind of. I'll, I'll just let you know. There's the, the Nashville Avenue home that they currently occupy. Then there's the no longer existing Ninth Ward home that they lived in before that. Then there's also the iconic Old Ursuline Convent in the French Quarter, which we'll probably go and visit because you can nowadays, uh, which was built in 1751. Which I love is, visiting convents, Renata. Which is a landmark. It's a landmark. It's one of the oldest buildings standing. Uh, in the French Quarter, or the oldest building standing in the French Quarter, and um, it's a museum. So we'll go and have some f- fun in there. <laughs> no. We can't be disrespectful. We can't go no, in no. there and, and yeah, misbehave yeah. So like the, we'd ever do that. It's mm. The first one, the old, old Ursuline Convent, which was the nun's first person, uh, permanent home in New Orleans, was completed in 1734. That's less than two decades after... The city was founded, mm. but it didn't last long. So it was designed by Ignace Francois Brutin or Bruton. Bruton, get it up in your nose. <laughs> um, uh, and he was the colony's engineer to the king, and he constructed a brick between post-style common. 
to the uh, which was common to the era, and it was a, a handsome three-story structure with a low-pitched roof and central belfry. You want to know about that, don't you? It sounds like a real estate ad. <laughs> mm. Now, it would soon fall victim to Bruton's preferred aesthetic of leaving bricks in such buildings uncovered. Oh, and Louisiana, and especially New Orleans, is very, very humid. So guess what happens? It all started to wibble wobble, didn't it? <laughs> and sweat. Mm. Mm. Now, by 1745, just 11 years after its completion, the old convent was crumbling to such an extent that Breton found himself having to design a second convent. I hope he didn't get paid a second time. No, he probably did. Now, this one is actually built on the site of the first, but they actually slathered it in stucco. Mm -hmm. So there would be no gaps. They could have, I'm sure that, yeah, there's something that you can buy on TV that doesn't do gaps. They could just, you know, fill it. It's a gap fill. Gap (laughs) fill. So, it's in a big me, tube. Let me let and me. you just poke it in a hole and you go <laughs> and then it fixes it. Done. So this one was completed in 1751 and uh, it incorporated some of the materials of the old original convent because, you know, let's not waste anything. And uh, it still stands on Chartres Street and it's recognised as the oldest surviving building in New Orleans. Our French is fabulous, by the way. Sorry. Now, today it is a museum and uh, it's, uh, it served for a time as a school uh, it also served as... Oh, Here we go. Oh, oh I'm, I'm going to get out my judgment face now. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel I'm getting judgy. As the Archbishopric. <laughs> I think that's the best named ass... Ar- ass... Ass... Bishop. Oh. <laughs> the Louisiana State House and a seminary. Oh, <laughs> so many wrong words in that sentence. So we've got Archbishop Prick at the seminary. Yeah. yeah Fabulous. Yeah. Um, You've made my day. Thank you for putting a smile on my face. You're welcome. Um, now, there is a huge myth and legend about this place <sighs> because um, the Ursulines, first of all, the, the nuns, were there because, uh, of course, um, King Charles wanted to establish a uh, a French theme, a French, I don't know what to call it, spirituality. It's a thingamabobby. <laughs> Looking after the people. Where are we staying? This is we're France. We're France. This is, this is France. Where are we staying when we go for those first couple of nights? Isn't it a commune or something? <laughs> They're trying to establish a commune. I can't wait. <laughs> we went somewhere where it was cheap. Yes, That's where we went, basically. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee to say thank you for our work, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Okay. We'll have the link in the below. Now, remember <laughs> when I was talking about the Ursulines coming and yeah, propagating? They couldn't. They were nuns, right? There, there were just a few of them. They Look, they were there to... Deal, deal with the sick people and look after soldiers and, and all of that sort of and, stuff. And cultivate the rich people's daughters. Yeah. But by 1728... Sorry, I got the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was my outside voice. Oh, I just oh. also at this stage, I'd like to thank, jo- I'd like to thank Joseph for his review. <laughs> If anyone was partaking in that review that we had from Joseph, and uh, I think he left with his head, <laughs> head uh, down low. Oh, <laughs> um, but by 1728, New Orleans needed different women, the marrying kind. <laughs> ones with good hips and pelvises. <laughs> Not the ones that were just decorative. Oh, God. <laughs> so the Crown sent over a shitload of... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> of we are so rusty. We are so out of practice. Of virtuous oh young my ladies. God. Now they were they were supposed to all be virgins. They were 
all supposed to be virgins. Guaranteed virgins, Who apparently. Knows? I Who don't knows? know how they check that. I don't want to know. <laughs> don't, don't write in and tell us, please. <laughs> I don't want to know that. Um, but this was so that... Um, no, she just wiped her eyes. She just put a shirt over her face and still kept talking in the microphone. <laughs> new blood could be injected into um, oh, New that's, Orleans. That's appropriate. New and, blood. And that um, the males that were in New Orleans could settle down and have a family yeah. and, and start living a righteous, blessed, Bible-led life. Give give them all a wife, some children and a, a mortgage and just watch them shut down and shrivel up. Yes. There yes. you go. Now, you're going to talk a little bit more about this because this this <coughs> this kind of uh, – this story went from, um, you know, uh, boatloads of women arriving uh, to New Orleans to something very, very different. Oh, very different. Yes. And I – look – do myths and legends start because there is a grain of truth in them or do they start because the women that were already there um, took a dislike to these young creatures arriving and going, well, okay, well, competition. let's... Yeah, let's, let's really rip into them because, you know... <coughs> let's make everyone scared of them so yes. nobody wants to marry them. Yes. Now, the nuns looked after them. Uh, they were the educators, they were the caregivers, they were the spiritual leaders of the community. They did a lot of education. They actually founded um, the Ursuline Academy, which is one of the oldest girls' schools in the United States. And they gave these young ladies that um, came in for an education a really good grounding of, you know, what the importance... And probably a good beating... Absolutely. What the importance of a, a spiritual and blessed life is. Oh, and look, guys, we, we both went to Catholic schools. If you This is the first time you've listened to it. Both of us have been beaten by nuns, so we, <laughs> we're allowed to say it. Oh, <laughs> yes. We know they're not all like that. No, I, ha- I had some lovely nuns. Oh, I had some that used to fart as they walked past oh. They'd be walking past <laughs> Oh, hello, right. Sister Christina. She's no longer with us. <laughs> yeah, I don't think most of the ones that I went to school with and are Sister Mary Joseph and they're, Sister Mary they're all John Sister and Mary. Sister Mary Richard <laughs> and Sister Mary. <laughs> now, the sisters also ran an orphanage. <laughs> orphanage. Words is hard, as Dave Schrader would say. Um, an infirmary and a school. Uh, and this was on the first floor of the new building that was built, and they lived on the second floor. Now, there was also an attic. A third floor. third floor. And it was strange that even though there were fires that went through New Orleans, um, it seemed in 1788 and 1794, the building survived. Now, there is a statue of Mary who the, that the nuns called the sweetheart. Oh, uh, I like and, that. Um, she was placed in the window of the... Um, Peaking Mary. <laughs> <laughs> She's, we need one of those... Yeah, if you've not... <laughs> I've broken up. <laughs> she was oh. sitting in the window judging, I'm sure. <laughs> we need one of those signs... If you haven't seen our Timu videos yet, there is one where we've got this Jesus sign that's supposed to sit on your door frame and he's peeking around the corner saying, I saw that. I could just see uh, that with Mary. I saw uh, that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, anyway, this beautiful Mary statue yes, that I've just ruined. Beautiful Mary statue. And um, she apparently is why the place was saved. It is because of her. Because oh. of her. They actually removed her uh, as well. Uh, I've got during- something to debunk that, but never mind. <laughs> uh, apparently, they removed her during um, Hurricane Katrina oh. and they brought her back afterwards. Did it survive Hurricane Katrina? I d- don't think anything survived Hur- I, Hurricane I think it did. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Most of it. Mm. Yeah, don't quote me on that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right. Now, there are... Um it wrapped up in all of this, all of these stories about vampires, um, and the belief is that maybe the vampire legend in New Orleans linked. is linked to the Ursuline nuns and the convent, oh. and these lovely ladies that were brought over. Um, I'm not going to dispel that. It could be true, or it could just be a fable. But did you hear in 1984 that there was also a uh, a moment of terror? for the people of the French Quarter no. uh, when nine people were found with their throats ripped open and drained of their blood. Uh-oh. So this is 1984. Now, the police had no suspects uh, in this case at the time. And so, you know, what do you do with the murders? It was kind of ended very, very quickly because, you know, who do you blame for this? But they believed that there was a rogue vampire responsible and that he was destroyed by the city's elder vampires for bringing attention to the vampire community. Oh. He went rogue. Uh-oh. Right? And the older vampires of the community said, no, you cannot be eating human beings. <laughs> <laughs> no num-nums for you. <laughs> them of blood. Um, and, yes, uh, there's no evidence, obviously, that was found to cor- corroborate this story. Uh, and it's believed that it could be a variation to the 1978 murders when also some bodies were found drained of blood. Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, could this be the same vampire? Did he work out how to open the door uh, after where he was locked up into and crept out twice? Um, and oh, 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 you realise oh. that you've just no, 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 spoken no. about part of the legend without telling the whole story. Well, yeah, but you're teasing, Renata. I am. I'm teasing. Oh, you're I'm such teasing. A tease. And of course, Pope Pope what, John Pope Paul. What's his name? Yeah. Pope John Paul was brought into the scene as well, which kind of like are you going to tell about? Yes. Pope? Yes. Well, see, there you go. They've brought Pope John Paul into all of this, yes. which makes 
everything completely true. Which is relatively recent for yes. old people like us. Yes. <laughs> for, yes. My children weren't born in <clears throat> in that like decade. They were just seeing my son is thirty, and he was that was ten years before that. That's terrifying. That's forty years ago that that happened. And it's John re- Paul. Yeah, it's recent to us. Oh my god! Okay. I know we are so freaking old, Renata. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I am going to hand the rest of this tragic story over to you. Oh, jeez. Okay. Now, before I kick off on the. Uh, my aspect of it, I wanted to say that the uh, the soundscape was from Creepy Pasta. Um, now, what we're going to go into now is the legend surrounding the Casket Girls, mm-hmm. and this is the girls that you were referring to that were brought to the convent. Uh, I found this great story here, and it goes on about the the girls arrived in the the New Orleans port was bustling with activities, shouting of men, stamping hooves of horses, the scraping of boxes as the ship was unloaded. And for the group of the young women aboard the ship, La Nouvelle Orleans was a taste of the forbidden, of the unknown. Oh. They're all coming from France. Yes, and you can oh, imagine virgins. the men are going, oh, oh, I can smell these ladies. They <laughs> smell good. Uh, so the women... They were, wouldn't. They had been on board for five months. Yeah, they they would have smelled. It smells really bad, but never mind. Sorry. That might be the smell that just... <laughs> That those men went, oh. Anyway, the women uh, would have come down the plank onto the ground finally after being at sea for so long. And they were clutching to their breasts a, what would you call, a casket, which was a coffin-shaped box, but yes. small. Mm-hmm. And that held all their worldly belongings. So they spent almost six months coming across really rough seas of the Atlantic Ocean, and they were supposedly keen to start their new life. They are probably just keen to get off the bloody boat. Yes. But they are also a bit nervous. So they have been picked by the bishop on the order of the French king, and they are supposed to be all of an appropriate age and background, uh, and their only thing that was needed from them was to marry a good match, uh, one of the French colonists, co- colonists uh, that were in the Louis- Louisiana colony. Now, I read somewhere that a lot of these girls just disappeared. They were actually teamed up with some not very nice people. Yes, yes, and they ran away. Yeah, I don't know if they ran away or the uh, husbands did away with them. Anyway, so these women are coming off the ship after being there for six months, being unwell. They've probably been kept below deck to protect their virginity. So they would have been pale, Mm -hmm. gaunt, Mm -hmm. sunken eyes, Mm -hmm. ill. If one of them had picked up a bug like um, tuberculosis or something like that, they could have been coughing up blood. Yes. Uh, And at the sight of them, Rumours started to circulate. These tongues started to wag. mm, These unearthly creatures that are coming off the ship. They don't look normal. Pale or palais. I don't know. The Frenchmen were sort of saying to themselves as they saw the women. They were very pale and their skin were reddened and blistered from being out in the, the hot sun trying to probably make them look a bit better. Oh, I don't know, but um, they had blisters on them as well. That could have been from lack of nutrition. So they would take their caskets down and they were taken to their new home until their respective marriages and to remain under the care and protection of the nuns. What a sad, sad life for those women. Yeah. Well, they would have been awful. So uh, the local men... Uh, disrespected these women. They were placed into unwanted marriages and they were mistreated by the husbands. And upon finding themselves alone and unwed, um, some of them were even forced into prostitution. Mm. Uh, so you're just, yeah, you're just adding to the angst yeah. of uh, the city. So the French king was not happy. 
No. Not happy at all. So the sisters then took the casket-shaped caskets that had once carried everything that these young ladies had owned, climbed the steps to the third floor of the convent, and supposedly sealed up that room forevermore. Now, a short time later, when the nuns returned to the third floor, they found that the chests were completely empty of any items that these girls had brought with them. They searched everywhere. They could find nothing. Fearing the young women might have been something other than what they said they were, the nuns really went to the ends of the earth to find out what had happened. Mm -hmm. But they decided to be safe. And they locked up this third floor. They bolted shut the windows. They nailed the windows shut. And these nails were actually blessed by the Pope himself. Mm-hmm. And they were silver. Oh. Yeah. And, of course, what happened then when the locals started to hear these stories? Vampire. Well, that would have freaked them out. Because you've you've actually locked away their ability to come back to their lair. Yes, exactly. What's, what's, what's but the thing is that what the question is is were these girls the brides of the vampires, mm-hmm. or um, were they carrying something within these caskets mm-hmm. that was released within the convent? Mm-hmm. And then we have that whole story in 1984 where uh, all those people were uh, yeah. supposedly attacked by a vampire. Now, as you said that, I thought, I need to look up something. So I wanted to look up when did Anne Rice right interview with a vampire mm-hmm. and that was written in 1976 that's mm-hmm. a lot earlier than i expected mm-hmm. uh was this a fan of the book that was doing a copycat type killing who knows nine people is a lot that's to, a lot yeah to get through it sounds- must have been really hungry <laughs> <laughs> i think we're saying well i'm trying to say it's not a vampire but we we don't know. Hmm. And, of course, there was the story that I started off the whole episode with, with the paranormal investigators. Mm-hmm. So, allegedly, in 1978... Is that the same year the book was written? No, 76. 76. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not long after, huh? Mm-hmm. Are we in the satanic panic? Mm-hmm. Mm. We need to do an, a, an episode on the satanic panic, I think. Um, yeah, so these paranormal investigators were trying to find answers what happened on that third floor because, you know, paranormal investigators are entitled to enter <laughs> any property that they feel might have a ghost in it because it's their right That's as investigators. Absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so they were found allegedly... Drained of blood. What's exsanguinated was the big word I stumbled over before, Mm -hmm. uh, which we cut out. (laughs) Just put in drained of blood. Um, I can't find anything historically about that. No, strange about that, isn't it? That's a good story, though. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, are legends starting at that point? See, this, this little story I found, the, like the other one I said, they, they couldn't work out how they were drained of blood. This one says their body was torn apart and ravaged as if by the claws of an animal mm. and drained of blood. All right. Someone was trying to get a little bit more excited <clears throat> about the story. But Yeah, I guess it's, it's looking at trying to find those first mentions of the vampires well i reckon it's the locals um the girls coming off the ship not looking healthy mm-hmm. uh and rumors would start to circulate mm-hmm. but there's way more rumors than just that let, let me get on to the other rumors as well uh oh okay so we've got i just want to add to that too yeah. that a lot of the people coming from the the countries that were bringing people in or opening their arms up to uh, take in, um, had long-standing beliefs about vampires and werewolves. Yes. Long-standing beliefs. cultural belief. Yep. So it wasn't a far stretch to kind of go, hmm, this is happening here. Hmm. 
Yep. But it is one of the oldest buildings in New Orleans. Uh, and as you said, it was finished in 1752. And during its time, it has survived so many things. It survived the hurricane. Mm-hmm. It survived the floods. It survived epidemics. It survived fires. Uh, the building is known as the treasure of the archdiocese. But some people say that the building is cursed, mm-hmm. while other people say it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. So depending on your belief and your outlook on life yep. will determine on, uh, on how you feel about this building. Yep. Is it cursed because of these casket girls or is it blessed to have survived? And has it survived because the vampire's home is there? Yes. Or, Who or, knows? or Mary. Mary, oh, Mary, Judgy Mary. Judgy Mary. She's there. She's looking after it. Yeah. Uh, but tourists do come from all over the world because they've heard <coughs> of the Casket Girls. Um, apparently that third story is still locked away. Yes. You can't get up there and all the shutters are shut. Uh, so we've got to look back to yeah, where the stories come from. Mm-hmm. As I said, the girls coming off the ships look pale and gaunt, travelling below deck, deathly ill, tuberculosis. That, I reckon, is the vampire link. Their suitcases look like the, the little coffins. coffins. Um, and if there was illness amongst the girls and they've been put up into that area to keep them away so the illness didn't spread, that would make sense as well. Yep. Uh, and could even explain why they... Or maybe they were naughty girls and that's why they nailed those windows shut. Who knows? Mm. But we do know that when Pope... John Paul, was it? Uh-huh. Came in 1984. He supposedly re-blessed yes. the nails. Yeah. To keep it safe. And why, why Why would you do that? Yeah. And why will they still not go up there? Now, what about the fire? The Great Fire of 1788. Why was the, the convent spared? Well, apparently it did actually lick around the, the heels of the, the convent walls. Um, but the, the nuns prayed. Yes. And it stayed away. They maybe threw some water on it as well. But it was the way the building was built was also, um, it was made out of uh, stone rather than wood. Mm-hmm. So, and they had reason. gardens around it as well, I yeah. believe, yeah. which meant it. That could have been a bit of a fire and break. They, they had walls, mm-hmm. so that, that would have given a break in between as yeah. well. Uh, there was a battle in New Orleans in 1815. Uh, they prayed all night to Our Lady Prompt Sucker. <laughs> what? To Our Lady of Prompt Sucker. Apparently she was very prompt. Um ooh. Uh, converted the schoolrooms into a makeshift hospital for the wounded. They prayed again and they were spared. Maybe because it was a hospital. Mm. Don't know. Now, there's another rumour as well about babies in the wall. Oh, really? Yes. There was construction workers who have worked on the restoration on some of the walls and they were shocked to find inside the walls countless bones all along the outer areas and even underneath the foundation of the wall. Uh, they were brought to a lab for testing, uh, and they were hoping it was going to be animals, but sadly it was discovered the bones had allegedly belonged to children and infants. No. Oh, no. Knowing that Ursula nuns once ran an orphanage on these grounds, um, it doesn't mean that they've killed them. It's not necessarily like the two and ones where these nuns have murdered those babies, and I'm getting my knickers and a knot about that one. I'm going to start agitating about that really soon. Uh they think that what's happened is that they have died from yellow fever epidemic uh, or other epidemics that went through. And maybe people were trying to bury their babies on consecrated ground. And that's why they were found underneath the, uh-huh. the walls or yeah. close by to the walls. Because yeah. they were trying to get them to some sort of sacred ground yeah. to save their souls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they don't really know how they they were placed there is no actual uh history mm-hmm. associated with that but the spirits of children are seen haunting those particular areas 
There's reports of children's laughter coming from the front garden of the convent, even in the dead of night. Uh, the museum is closed at night. There are no children on the grounds that time of night. Uh, the surrounding buildings have heard and seen uh, the, the same noises. And we are going to be very close to that because we are on the the Ursuline Convent grounds. Yes. So we've got to look out for small <clears throat> children like apparition mm. playing around that area. That's from Royal Tours, New Orleans. Mm. If any of you have visited that area, send us your stories. We'd love to hear whether you have had any sort of paranormal experience around that French Quarter area of where the... Um, Apart from the <coughs> alcoholic kind. Yeah, the convent the convent sits. But how this whole, <coughs> whole story started was from the haunted hotel mm-hmm. that we're staying at. And originally, we were going to be looking at the ghost stories from there. Now, you couldn't find a lot on the history, so we had to shift. But I did find some ghost stories there, and I would like to share some of the ghost stories of... The Haunted Hotel. Oh, please do. Thank you. Uh, oh, by the way, oh, there was a funny little line I had somewhere and I can't find it now. Uh, I'll, I'll hopefully remember what it was. My memory sucks. So, we are staying at the Haunted Convent, Convent oh, Haunted Hotel at 623 Ursulines in New Orleans in the French Quarter. There is a rumour that a mass murderer may have stayed there. Yes. And he is known as the Axeman. And there is a really creepy letter he wrote Mm -hmm. and sent to the police. So this hotel was supposedly built in 1829 and has been home to nearly a dozen murders in the last 200 years. Now, I couldn't find those murders, but I think they've muddled it up with the Axeman murders. So, uh, the infamous serial killer, the Axeman, left a bloody trail through the city, becoming one of the most notorious serial killers of the 20th century. And to this day, his identity remains unknown. Mm-hmm. So, mainly targeted the Italian population, which they think may have been mafia or mob-related. Mm-hmm. And they... They say confirmed reports have verified that the Axemen lived in the hotel during the murders. Now, how can they know that? How can they say that verified reports say? Didn't they find an axe? I know. All right. So, allegedly, um, allegedly, renting one of the back rooms in the slave quarters, allegedly, um, they were doing some renovations and they found an axe. Mm Mm-hmm. How many homes had an axe? Most of them, probably. And the MO for the, um, did I say that right? For this murderer was that he would cut out a panel of a door, go through the panel, find the axe that belonged to the home, and murder the people with their own axe. So why would the axe be left at the haunted hotel. Mm. It's They know the murder weapons. <sighs> but allegedly he lived there, very unassuming life. Um, you would think that they would know who it was then. But they could never prove who it was. But this was the letter that was sent to the New Orleans newspaper in March 1919. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. 
I take no offence at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francois, Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for... It were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise, and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you New Orleanians think of me as a possible... Sorry, as... Think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could play a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans... In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain... And that is that some of your people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt Publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axeman. That's a bit blood chilling, That's isn't it? That's creepy. It's oh. so creepy. Um, apparently there was no more murders after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he was a hitman. I think he'd got away with a lot of murders. And I think he was full of himself. I think he was just playing with it. But is he responsible for the amount of jazz that we get in New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Maybe he just really liked jazz and wanted to make sure that they had loads of jazz. They kept on playing. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, I'm pretty sure he was the mafia. But it, it, was, a, it was a good story. But, of course, back to the uh, haunted hotel. His presence is felt routinely uh, on the patio by many of the hotel visitors. Uh, I did read one story that there was somebody staying in one of the rooms and they had to leave because of the amount of flies in it. So it's a bit of an Amateurville reference Mm -hmm. there. But there is another guest. Uh, Countless guests have reported the presence of spirits, specifically Mamie. Mamie, M-A-I-M-E, Mamie, who was a former owner of the once private residence and she swore to all that she would never leave and it turns out she never did. The former property owner supposedly died in her bedroom and the guests who were bold enough to stay in the same room reportedly um, have creepy paranormal activity. Shall we hire that one? Oh, I hope we get that one. Uh, but she she demands that her presence be felt. She demands to be noticed. So that's really nice. Um, they've returned, people who have had that room have returned to it and found that their pillows have been ruffled as if someone or something has been resting on the bed. No, oh, And nice. not only this, the light in the bedroom window has been reported by countless visitors to have turned on and off abruptly out of nowhere at all hours of the night. They better not do that to us. I'll mm. be annoyed because I'll want to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'll be tired by that stage. Um, and also, uh, apart from Mammy's presence, they've got multiple EP, EVP recordings and they get such weird sounds as echoing voices and alarming groans. Mm. I'm sure that's coming from the room next door. Someone's oh. having a good time. That's all that will be. Um, so th- that that was how the whole thing started. Because uh-huh. I thought I found such 
those good stories. We had to include that mm-hmm. because it's still part of the Ursula Convent grounds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This has turned into a really fun one. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to find more along the way. Um, I hope we, we do one or two more stories before we actually um, yeah. land in New Orleans. Well, and I'm sure going... we'll have more stories after we've come yeah. back. We'll have to look at our itinerary and uh, work out where else we're going. Mm. And maybe we can hit up a few New Orleans stories in a row. Yes. I'm sure everyone will yeah. forgive us for doing some New Orleans stories in a row. Mm. New Orleans? you got to say New Orleans. Can you say it? New Orleans. Very good. Well, that brings us to the end of the True Hauntings podcast. I'm so glad we finally got one done. Uh, and look, if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a nice review, unlike Joseph. And <laughs> he said he hoped the ghost granny shuffle off or something like that. It was pretty bad, whatever it was. Um, I know you guys love Bless us. Yeah, your if you soul. want to support us, um, you can buy us a cup of coffee. Just search "buy us buy buy me a coffee." Yep. Anne and Renata. We'll mm-hmm. put the link in the show notes, and uh, yeah, become a Patreon. That's about it. Yeah. So we're going to shuffle off now. So we'll see you all on the dark side. Um, can you stay, remember? It? Uh, no. no. Stay, stay no. spooky. Um, be, be frightfully good, and don't, don't be, be a, a dickhead. dickhead. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.